Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends and partners in radio, Barnabas Piper and Roland J. Martin. And boys, I'm going to get right into it because somebody texted a screenshot of a question that I thought was really intriguing. Um, this is under the uh, under the umbrella statement of this is how you reclaim the Christian home. Um, and the question was this. It says, question for husbands. Do you in any way monitor what your wife watches on TV? <laughs> Have you? Uh, sorry, something funny was going on outside my office. Oh, I thought the question Actually, was something going, funny going on, but you know. It, it is, yeah. I'm that's even this. a question. As if it's <laughs> have you ever have you ever asked her to stop watching a show? Any response is helpful. So uh, so there it is, boys. Do you monitor what your wife watches on TV? Have you ever asked her to shop, stop watching a show? Um, I just talk- can, can we parse this out a little bit? Like even the word choice, the word choice on this is just exceptional. Uh-huh. Uh, do you monitor what she watches on TV? Like, it's one thing to say, are you aware of? It's one thing to yeah, say, yeah, yeah. you know, do you guys watch things together? Do you, you know, do you talk about it? Like, there's a bunch of ways. There's a lot of verbs you could use here that take this in a different direction. But no, we went straight Big Brother is watching on this one. Yeah, it's very similar. Yeah, monitor is like, like she's your child That's what you would say. Yeah, like I have to monitor my daughter's cell phone usage, you know, make sure she's yeah. not on it till all hours of the night, make sure she's not texting boys, like just period. Doesn't matter what she's texting him, just no boys. That's yeah. monitoring. This that that word choice is man, that's something. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? It's really uh it's it's kind of a weird one. Um I can't think of anything I can't imagine anything that I would like to do less than monitor what my wife watches on television. And <laughs> and I think in, in part because I don't know. This is going to sound like a a weird I'm so busy flex, but I think we are quite busy. And like at the end of the day, we collapse on the couch. We watch a half hour of Downton Abbey together. And then we then we usually hit the sack, man. I mean, there's not a lot of time that she's just like flipping channels. You know, she's she's just flopped on the sofa watching a little TV. So I I don't I don't know that that's uh, really our experience. Big R, what do you what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, Big M doesn't watch TV at all unless we're watching our half an hour of, of Down Abs, you know, that yeah. particular night. So I don't even have, I literally, it's no exaggeration. I would, I have zero to monitor. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I do think, I do think unpacking the word monitor and sort of like the mindset that that would come, mm. come out of, you know, yeah. in terms of thinking that like it's your job, uh, what, as like a, as, you know, as the spiritual leader of your family or as what the spiritual, you know, mentor or the spiritual like dictator or, you know, like, like how far do you, how far do you take that word to where it's like, man, I'm living in kind of an oppressive like regime here at home as the wife, you know? What And how Um, disconnected do the, do the husband and wife have to be for it to be monitoring as opposed to like discussing? I don't know. Like pick, pick a verb of interaction. Around the corner. See like, see like peeking around the wall going. Dude. Yeah. Like how does he do it? Is this like Covenant Eyes for TV? Like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> Does she come it. back into the room after like all the TV watching hours are complete? And he goes, "Hey, I just want to just run down to you my nightly." Yeah, monitoring. babe. Let's just let's look over the spreadsheets, okay? Like, I've I've got the report here. This will only take a couple of minutes. You know, he kind of takes his glasses off and chews on the like the 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 nib of the you know the part that goes over your ear, and he's like, "You know what? 
show number three there on a on a Wednesday. I I take umbrage with that. Let's lean into that. He's like, I've noticed that like Game of Thrones is like at thirty one percent for you this week, and uh, it wasn't the one approved episode that we had discussed. I love it, dude. How would how would various husbands on Downton Abbey handle this? How do you think how do you think Lord Grantham would would monitor Lady Grantham's TV watching if if they had such a thing? Well, that's weird, Big T, because like the British are so quiet about things, but Lord Grantham—that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. He would be kind of temper too. Yeah, he might. At one point, he would like hold it back as long as he could after monitoring her shows, and then he would just explode on her. He would be resentful and passive aggressive, like he was with Bricker, like the art dealer. They kind of started hanging around Lady Grantham. Yeah, he, gosh, we he, just watched that episode too, big dude. Together. So did we. I think we're on the same pace, baby. Which is gosh, fun. man. That Wait, guy, are you guys guy. monitoring each other's viewing? <laughs> we must. Is this monitoring? What's happening, dude? We've got I Downton Eyes installed on our on our TVs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish we had that. It's terrible. I'd like to know what you're watching. But Downton down Eyes is just making sure that you're watching the appropriate amount of Downton Eyes. Dude, exactly. Like, I have to have a call with you from time to time. Like, baby. Right. Like, you, baby, I've noticed. Not, baby, I've noticed you haven't been looking at enough Downton this week. I've noticed, right? that, I noticed that you shifted over to the crown for a little while here, and that's not <laughs> cool. That's yeah. not okay. I need to get you back into the other super slow British-oriented show that we watched together. Oh, man. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I think Lord Grantham wouldn't handle it very well. I think Dude, I think Shrimpy just wouldn't wouldn't say anything. Shrimpy's everybody loves Shrimpy though, you know, like dear Shrimpy. Fantastic. He's a great guy. Yeah, fantastic guy. He wouldn't say anything. This, this is what I want to know though, man, because I want to I want to take Pipe down our you know our our tragic down naps. You know, yeah, no. between this dude, and people are gonna get angry. Cri- between this and talking about Christmas, like it's like you guys want me on the show. Although like, though, for me. Pipe when you guys yeah. talk sports. Anyway, so the um, what I want to get down to is like what what does it look like? And I'm being I'm honestly being almost serious right now. Sure. What does it look like? <laughs> what does it look like for a dude, a husband, in approaching his wife to like kind of lay out his his sort of his monitoring of her shows? How does that conversation go? How does it begin even? Like, how does that work? And I'm not saying you should never call out your spouse on something, so I'm not gonna go there, right? But like the way, like, just going back to the way he phrased it, how do you begin that conversation, Ted? How does that even start for you? Oh man, um, Double K. Like, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Here's a scenario: What if Double K was watching something that, for whatever reason, you were just like, "Man, I, I just really wish she wasn't. <laughs> she wasn't watching that." Like, how would you ap- approach that, dude? I feel like, and and this isn't like a marriage flex at all, but we just we just talk a lot, and we we talk yeah. a lot about the stuff that we're consuming because it it's interesting to us and usually like 98% of the time we're watching the same stuff but I, I think I would just be like you know like yeah that's that show seems really seedy you know like tell me what you like about it like sell me on the show or, or I don't know I would want to enjoy it with her like I, I feel like the goal you know the goal with somebody I like whether it's my spouse or a good friend or whatever is always common ground right so the goal is always help me understand what it is that you love about this so that I can love it with you or so that I can, you know, kind of view it in a new light or whatever. So I, I think I would just like to probably ask her what she loves about it and see where the conversation goes. Or even just more like almost funny to where I, I could see myself going like, dude, it's like so weird that you just watched that. Like that doesn't, that yeah. doesn't even seem like something you'd want to watch. Like to, yeah. then I, like, it, it would turn into what you're saying is like, why did you even, like, what, what about it? interested you or whatever yeah 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 this 
the whole premise of this is just it it sets up something where two people are so disconnected from each other that exactly. like they're just they're living they're living lives in like two different universes where you have to like spy on the other one and then be like uh excuse me you you need to stop that that's not that's not acceptable which is just that's what it is pipe it's like spying that's it's exactly such a weird <laughs> interact it's, well, it's like spying with authority you know, it it is very much – it's like an Orwellian household where you're like, I'm going to monitor you and then I'm going to tell you what you can and cannot do, which I think whoever posted this uh, is probably coming from that state of mind where the husband's responsibility is to tell the wife what she can and cannot do, yeah. which – I mean the, the whole – so the whole premise of it is just garbage. It's yeah. – yeah, it's – I the only instance where I could think of where it's like, yeah, I, I – I, I think I would ask somebody to stop is like, can you stop while I'm in the room? Cause that show drives me crazy. You know, like if just yeah. they have a different taste in comedy or whatever, you'd be like, do you mind if we just turn that off right now? And then you watch it when I'm not here. But no, I mean, that's it right there, pipe. Cause I watched this show called, called when calls the heart and when <laughs> big M is in the room, she does, she doesn't enjoy it. So I just, it's just, wait a like, minute. She doesn't like when calls the heart. I can't believe I, can it. You believe it. Big T. Are yeah. you shocked? I'm shocked. He's stunned. Can you give me a brief rundown yes. on this show? Because it's everything you're thinking, Pipe. We really don't have to. No, but do it anyway. We do. So I, I'm uh, intrigued. It's kind of like a little house. It's kind of like a, a little house on the prairie kind esque like show um, set in like like kind of like the Canadian I don't know Rockies from like the <laughs> 1920s, and it's you know it's like you got your characters and it's very quaint and their dramas. With the Canadian Mounties and oh, the like Mounties. The, you know the the bakery owner and um, yeah. it's just you know that kind of a thing. So yeah. it's All everything right. you'd imagine. Yeah, I think. I mean, point. I I think I would also ask you to turn that off. That's, that's correct. <laughs> I think you I think I your wife has every right to say, "Would you please turn that off?" Baby, where does one watch Wind Calls the Heart? Like, what if what if Piper and I wanted to watch it? Where where do we go for that? Well, you know what, Big T, I'm not going to lie. I think you and a Double K would actually uh, enjoy it, dude. We uh, probably would. We probably I think would. you guys would. I mean, it is hor. I mean, it's badly done, boys. So, like, I, you know, uh -huh. I'm just I'm, I'm not so glib about these things, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's not it's not done incredibly well, but there's something addicting about it because it's sure. so it's so you know. So yeah. You All know, right, boys. Let's uh, let's talk about two men who would never watch. Where where goes the heart? Um, and that's our fathers. Heart. Yeah, Father, yeah. Two of those men right now. I who think. calls the Who calls the heart? Uh, sure. When calls the when, heart? My bad. Yeah. When calls the heart? Um, two men who I know would never watch. When calls the heart? Are our fathers? Ronald. Yeah. Um, no, our fathers would. Yeah. I mean, my dad did watch Little House on the Prairie, though. Did your dad watch Little House? Dude, yeah, I think we did that. We did some of that when I was when I was. That really was like young. a family show for us. Yeah, it was a family show. I think I think he he got into that some, or at least yeah. he like this humored is worse my mom. Than that. Like Little House yeah. was a legitimately great show. I mean, it was. I, I yeah, know, for what it was, this is not that. This is not that. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Interesting that like the lack of quality is not a deal breaker for you. I would I would think that something that's really hackneyed and kind of you know. Oh, but oh, please, done. this is like Mr. Christmas novel. This Dude, is that's true. this that's is true. Th he like there there is a if if it lands in a certain <clears throat> sort of yeah. sentimental sweet spot. Uh, I, I didn't say I loved them all, man. I mean, some of them are really bad, but you know, and a good story is a good story. Some of them are really good stories because the you know the authors are are you know they they're good writers. But yeah. so I mean, not all of them are awesome. I suffer. 
that's what did I just say in the last step, boys? You have to work. So I work my way through the good and the bad novels, and it's a hit or a miss. Yeah. I'm prepared for it. It's okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Piper, you said on one of the one of one of our last steps that you were intrigued by what it was like for us to have non-famous dads. And this was born of a comment that I made on the episode that I ruined, where I said that um, I felt like people were too tough on you because of who your dad was. And that seemed to strike a chord that seemed to resonate with you. And um, you're like, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to talk with you guys at some point on what it was like to have non-famous dads. So so this is that moment. This yes, is that opportunity. I'm excited. Um, yeah. Fire away, man. Ronald and I and our non-famous dads, we're ready to to shed light on this for you. Yeah, one of the most tongue-tying questions I get answered or get asked is, uh, like, what's it like to be John Piper's son? I'm like, I don't know. I don't have any other right. – I don't have anything to compare it to. So this is my chance to yeah. figure out what is it like to to be John Piper's son by comparing him to the fathers of you two who are, mm. who are by all accounts, excellent dads but also not well-known by, yeah. by anybody outside the, the family. So I, I think just – Let's just get through the basics. What are your dad's names, respectively? Yeah, my dad is Ted Cluck Sr. Ted Cluck Sr., all right. Ronnie? John Francis John Francis Martin. John Francis Martin. We've heard that on the podcast, but that's just for listeners. So we've got the original Ted Cluck, and we've got John Francis. That's a strong name. Both of those are very strong yeah. names. What they called him Jay, so his name was Jay Martin. Everybody called him Jay. Jay so Martin. Jay, Jay that Francis? Was a street name. Okay. It was a street name, yeah. And uh, and what did your dad do for work? Ted, what did your dad do for work? Yeah, so my dad was a pilot. Um, he started out flying charters, and then uh, he became a, like a corporate pilot for Pizza Hut. Um, he flew like a small corporate jet um, for the back part of his career. So, like, Baby, they, how did they, they not know that? That's epic. Like, yeah, it is epic, dude. It was super cool. Like, so anytime I drive by like a small airport, I get super nostalgic for, for Pops. And we actually live by one, so... I can go and see like the little planes take off, and every time I hear them, it it gives me like warm memories of pops. I'm like going to the going to the airport with them, and you know just all that stuff when I was young. Amazing. Well, so was yeah. he? So he was flying around like corporate execs, or what was he? Yeah. What was his thing? So he was flying around like a guy who he he was an owner of a bunch of Pizza Hut franchises in like northern Indiana. Okay. So this guy owned a bunch of. A bunch of shops, and he had a private plane, and Pops would just fly him here and there. Gotcha. Yeah. Ronnie, what'd your dad do? What did Jay do? So, yeah, Jay. So the old guy, he owned a, a small business. He owned a small trucking company and um, and had just a small fleet of uh, you know trucks and did local local deliveries. So he, he owned the company for about 40 years. So, wow. And so both of your dads did the same thing for the same company for a long period of time. Like it wasn't yeah. they, they weren't like job hopping. No, so no. my dad owned the company. So yeah, he did this. It was he owned it from like about 1970 until well until he passed away. So it was yeah, it was a it was a long time. It was a long run. And Ted, nice. your dad was he with Pizza Hut for a long time, or was he a pilot for a long time, but kind of moved between companies? He was a pilot for a long time. Really, just two companies though. So uh, it was the charter company first, and then Pizza Hut second okay um so yeah he was he was the picture of consistency not a lot of job hopping for old for old pops all right so i'm, I'm also intrigued by like the cultural background upbringing of your family so ronnie i know you've talked about being uh being part portuguese at some point i don't know if that's your mom's or your dad's side where uh 
where where'd your dad grow up? Where's he from? What's his what's his sort of family uh, family of origin situation? Yeah, so pops was yeah he's the Portuguese side of the fam. He grew up in uh, he grew up in L.A. So he was he was he was born and he was actually born in Sacramento and then he grew up in the mean streets of like downtown LA. Um, kind of, kind of one of those like post depression kind of lived in poverty. His dad was out of work like almost his whole life mm-hmm. until he went into the Navy into the, in the fifties. And so he had one of those kind of things where like you grow up with almost nothing. You're, you're kind of one of these like almost like street kids you obviously everybody almost went into the service. So he went into the Navy. He dropped out of high school, went into the Navy and then met my mom sort of, I think, like three quarters of the way through the Navy, got out of the Navy, married mom. Wow. Was that kind of vibe. So uh, this this question. Well, Ted, why don't you answer the same question first? Where did your dad sure. grow up? What's his what's his story? Like, you know, so what, how, how deep do your roots go in the Midwest? Yeah, pretty deep. So my my dad grew up in the Chicago area and. Um, his uh, his dad was a tool and die man in Chicago, so right there downtown on the south side, he owned a tool wow. and die shop. So this is my gramps. My gramps was a, a pretty legendary like athlete in the Chicago area in like the twenties and thirties. He played football. He pitched in the Cubs system. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's pretty cool. And and actually, his brothers were like German gangsters during Prohibition in in Chicago. So they owned a speakeasy on the south side. Which was there? The building was there right up until a few years ago. It was called the Old Barn. It was right know, there by. Do you know about what streets it was on? Man, I I should know. You know what? I've got actually. I can tell you exactly where it is because I have an Old Barn postcard in my office. It was a really dope looking spot, man. So this is a postcard from the seventies. Um, it was at eighty one hundred South Parkside Ave in Burbank, Illinois. Okay. So the the little neighborhood was called Burbank. Yeah, so eighty eighty first street. So that's that's like way south. Yeah. So during Prohibition, they would they would bring the booze down from Canada, and one of my one of Gramps's brothers would bring it down around Lake Michigan and and into the Speakeasy, and they would they would do their thing there. So uh, yeah, so that was that was kind of what what his side of the family was into. And then uh, my Gramps got into sports, got into the tool and die. Um, they moved out of the city into a suburb called Plainfield. Yeah. Um, so that's where my dad grew up, grew up in Plainfield, played football, uh, played football in college, um, met my mom in Joliet. So she was a Joliet girl. Wow. Uh, yeah. And they got, they got married when, when pops was in college. So, so yeah, man, fun stuff. So both of your dads, uh, hardworking, like salt of the earth came out of kind of hard scrabble backgrounds. Uh, how did they feel about raising sons who ended up being artistic not that i mean so ted you obviously you obviously were into sports and everything but like you had a penchant for for words for poetry for writing for uh for for you know storytelling and then uh and then ronnie you you went into music and then and then writing etc so uh how did your how did your respective like not blue collar but sort of that 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 feel of like you grit your teeth mm-hmm. and you do the work kind of dads feel about raising artistic creative sons yeah that's a great well, question whoever Ron, wants go to go ahead. first Ken. yeah yeah you know what, what's so great about the question is that bat so my dad was total blue collar it wasn't like it, you know sort of blue collar i mean he was the epitome of blue collar right and um and so what was funny about the old guy was that 
even when I was getting into all this artistic stuff and I was, I was always bent that way anyway. And I, I always had this, there was always this part of me that thought at some point the old, old guy's going to snap on me and he's going to be like, you got to stop doing all this stuff. This is not real work. This is like crazy. You know, I can't support this. I, I can't approve of this. And he never did like all the way through yeah. all the, all the, all the, you know, all the touring and all the re- records and, you know, all of those types of things. He was always like, I would say surprisingly supportive. Mm. Um, and he never, he never flinched either. So it wasn't this thing where at some point he said, you know what, you should probably start thinking about doing something real because this isn't real. And, um, he never did that. He absolutely supported me and I never knew why I never could figure that out. Um, there's probably something in his personality or his background that I didn't really realize or didn't know about and never surfaced to where he, he must've seen what I did. And and approved of it in some way, but maybe even enjoyed that I was doing it in some way, even though he wasn't invested in it at all. Like the guy never even he probably never even listened to one of my recorded songs, like of all the songs I released. Honestly, he's one of those really. So he didn't like this is fascinating. He doesn't he doesn't have like a he didn't have like a stack of your records in his house. And he he wasn't listening. Oh, well. Well, no, and I would have never even given them to him because he just he would not have cared. And but and when I say that, it's not like something where it was like and care and it hurt my feelings it's just he had no interest in that but he yet he supported me um by giving me the space and the time to do it and that was like that was enough that was a lot but i I didn't expect him to like listen to what i didn't understand i was i was like super hyper aware of like he's not going to understand this it's just i wouldn't even want to explain it to him it's just let's just keep things the way they are it's awesome you know no that's cool man that's cool that's that's kind of you know, it, especially at the beginning, that's how my pops was. You know, I think they were nervous that they were they were more nervous about the freelance lifestyle than anything. Like, I, I think for that generation, the best thing you can do is like go to work, work for a company where you've got, you know, dental and medical and, and like Apex Mountain for them was go to work for that company and then never leave it. And, um, you know, for us, it was a little bit different. And I, I, th- I think they were really worried the first few years when we were writing and, and just trying to make it that way. But um, but yeah, same deal. Always really supportive. My dad was a reader. You know, he, he doesn't read in a real broad, you know, swath of literature, but but he does like to read. And he would always bring me books back from his trips. So when he would go to some cool city, he would hit a bookstore and, and bring me some sports book back or some obscure book. And, um, you know, that was always kind of a fun part of our relationship. So even though they, they weren't necessarily pumped that like writing was going to be the thing they, um, you know, they were supportive and I think, I think my mom really enjoyed it. So what, uh, what did you guys kind of garner from your dads and they're very different work environments, work patterns. You guys have both bounced around between different creative ventures, different jobs before kind of landing where you are now, which seems to be, you know, there's a, there's a different sort of arrival place, I guess. What did you, what did you learn from your dad, gain from your dad to help you where you are, where you are in your work now? Yeah. Yeah, My guess is it's going to be, it's going to be the same thing probably for both of us. But for me, it was just like a, the ability to grind, like one of my enduring memories of my pops is just super hardworking guy, you know, whatever he put his hand to, whether it was some sports thing or flying or, or whatever, he was just really, really hardworking and, um, didn't complain, you know, just that guy. And, um, it, it actually helped me out a lot. Um, especially early on in sports and just kind of seeing his ethos, his approach to things, um, always respecting it, you know, it was really respectable. 
um, you know, he, he imparted a lot of that and just the way we would work together, the way that he like folded me in on stuff like that, especially with sports. Like I was always welcome to, to do his workouts and stuff with him, especially when I was young. And, um, those are great memories, you know, just those, those hours that we spent together doing that stuff. That's really cool. The old man, he was, the old man was a little more of a character. So he was, you know, he was, um, my dad worked worked really hard at not working hard, so that's why he started a business mm-hmm. and hired a bunch of people. He just he was he was funny in that way, you know what I mean? He just he wanted to be a uh, he wanted to just be kind of in charge. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I took from him, the thing that everybody because he was like one of these everybody loved him. He had no enemies. He was one of those guys, and mm-hmm. uh, but he it was his generosity. So he was a guy. I mean, if you ever needed anything. Um, I mean, he'd do anything he could to give it to you. So in cash, time, help, support, um, I mean, that just was him. I mean, he, he basically gave away all of his money. Um, whenever anybody needed something, he Mm -hmm. just, you know, he'd reach into his pocket. And so he just didn't, he didn't value, he didn't value things to the point that it made him stingy. Um, he was not a frugal guy. He just let it fly and, um, you know, to a fault for sure. You know what I mean? But um, it's just kind of how he was. He just he didn't make a big deal about stuff, about money mainly. And he he liked to spend money, he liked to give away money. And um, so, you know, I, that was one of the things I took from is he didn't hold so tight onto those kinds of things. Let me switch directions here a little bit. Um, so talk about kind of your dad's work background or whatever. What uh, how did your dads raise you? Uh, like what sort of spiritual environment were you in growing up? So obviously my dad was like, I mean, I was in an environment that was, um, let's call it overtly spiritual, maybe, maybe <laughs> overly, overtly spiritual. So uh, what, uh, what was the, help, help us understand. Uh, we've talked about it at, at length. And, uh, so yeah, let's, let's just leave that one alone. Um, again, this is me figuring out what it's like to be raised by a normal person. So, uh, what, what was your home environment like spiritually? Were your dad's believers? Were you churchgoers? Were they uh, like, did they, did they monitor your mom's television watching? Like, what are we, what are we talking about here? <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. Bear. So my, so my pops, yeah, he came to Christ when I was about, I don't know, seven, seven or eight years old. And it was that whole Jesus movement mm-hmm. out in SoCal. So not a hippie, the, like the anti-hippie of, yeah. of all. <laughs> he sounds Jews, like an anti-hippie. Right? Yeah. Total anti hippie, right? But he he came to he came to Christ through uh, Calvary Chapel and Chuck Smith and all yeah. that whole scene, which is really odd, right? In the seventies, and um, so our the, so the, the environment in our house changed because I have an older brother and sister that are about ten years older than me, and then I came quite a bit later, and so we kind of had these dual households. So my my brother and sister had a way different upbringing than I did. Because Pops came to know Jesus a little bit after my mom did. And we just kind of we kind of morphed into like the classic, like like super, you know, church on Sunday, church on Wednesday, youth group on Friday, just kind of, you know, really becoming invested in all things that are Christian. And just, you know, kind of think about Christian subculture in the 70s and 80s. And, and that, that kind of was a picture of what we were about. And, you know, dad just more than anything, he just became he was always a dependable guy, he probably became somewhat of a like your classic Christian moralist, you know, Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, you know, just do the right thing. You know, we're not going to watch those TV shows. You're not allowed to watch the Smurfs. You can't go see that movie. You know, so it was, he kind of fell into that whole, like, you know, we got to sort of build our own bubble and and stay as far away from the world as we can. But that was kind of the vibe back then. 
And, um, you know, the, the word missional hadn't been invented yet. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was, it was that whole thing. So that's kind of how we grew up. I mean, you know, uh, it was, you know, it, it, it was what he knew. It was the brand of Christianity that he was saved into and was formed by. And, um, and again, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, there's been a lot of reverse engineering I've had to do in my life as you guys have because of some of those things, but, you know, I mean, God used it and, um, it definitely wasn't, um, I wouldn't say it was a negative experience, although, the, again, there's some things you have to unlearn but and grow in and, and, and uh, work out. But, yeah, it was overall he was he loved the Lord. Uh, he had a he had a, a faith and a growing faith up until he, he passed for sure. You know. Yeah, that's good, man. I, I think for me it was similar in that. So my folks became they became believers like their senior year of high school through a some guy invited him to a youth group and they, they heard the gospel, they became believers. So really when they had me, they were still pretty young in the faith. And yeah, like you said, being that it was the eighties, it was kind of the, the, the era of, of bad theology somewhat, but you know, the, <laughs> the thing I remember about, wait, has about that changed? Them, uh, yeah, it might, we might still be in it, but um, my dad always really served the church. Like he, you know, I remember him volunteering with, you know, the high school youth group and teaching Sunday school classes and, you know, helping clean the building. And, you know, later on he became a deacon and he was just very steadfast in that. And, um, you know, there, there weren't a lot of deep theological conversations, but there was a lot of good service and a lot of, I, I knew my parents loved the Lord and I knew my parents loved each other. And, you know, like, like every family, probably they, they kind of, tried and failed with the whole, like, you know, let's have a family devotional. And, and, you know, it was as awkward for them as it is for us probably. But, um, I knew they loved the Lord and, and I would often come out for breakfast in the morning and see my dad, like at the breakfast table, reading his Bible. And, um, that's, that's one of those images that kind of sticks with you, you know, and, and as I became a, an adult and a dad and had kids like it, I really wanted my kids to see me deep diving into scripture and for them to know that that that's been an important part of my life. So, um, so yeah, he did a really great job with that. Um, you know, I, th I think parents of our generation are more, we're just more theologically aggressive, you know, and it's more aggressive on the level of shepherd your child's heart and this is the right way and do it and, and <laughs> yes. read these nine books and you'll figure it out, you know? And I, I think for them, they read zero parenting books. It just wasn't a part of their culture. And they, they did figure things out though. And, and they gave grace. They, they received grace. Um, those were sort of the foundational things that I remember from growing up in their home and, and the rest of it wasn't perfect. You know, there, there were mistakes made and things like that, but, um, they were always pretty humble about it. Yeah. And I mean, mistakes made, I, I dread yeah. what my kids will say about me if they ever have a podcast in 20 years, you know, what, what will they, what will they say about the ways that I didn't get it right as a parent? Um, I have lots more questions. I feel like maybe we should do this as a two part up and in large part because Ronnie's connection just failed. <laughs> and, so he, and so he had to tap out. I'm glad we got the answer to his question, but, uh, yeah. maybe we should do a, maybe we should do a round two of, uh, of the normal dad interview and get into, get into different aspects of, of life, like fun things y'all did growing up and yeah. stuff like that. But that was, I honestly, I loved hearing about just sort of like the basics. I've I've only heard yeah. snippets about both of your dads. I've met your dad, Ted, which I yeah. he which was great. And uh it's fun to be able to kind of picture a younger version of him being the guy you're describing because I've, I've yeah. enjoyed the the brief conversations we've had. 
um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's been fun, and uh, we'll have to. I'll, I'll have to to deep dive next time. Yeah, dude, totally. You ask great questions too. It was, uh, it, it is, and and I think for I speak for Ronald in this. Like nostalgia is a is a theme for both of us. So um, it is really fun to remember, and and yeah, you really get a sense for how the years have flown by and really even how they're flying by now for us as parents. And when we started doing the show, you know, your girls were really little. My guys were, were pretty small too. And you know, gosh, my oldest is 17 now, yeah, you know, man, he's going to be going to, we've been doing this for like six, we've been doing this for like six years. Yeah. Yeah. Which it's is, crazy, uh, yeah. So my kids were, were like eight and four when we started and one of them's going into high school next fall. And like you have one that's yeah. how, how old's, how old's Tristan? Tristan's 17, 17. He's a junior. Okay, so he'll be going into his senior yeah. year. Like, yeah, there's a there's, there's a lot of life that's changed in six years. Dude, totally. It's crazy. And yeah, it, it's funny. The nature of doing a show like this is that we we get these kind of flybys of each other's lives. And, you know, we hear a little bit about Ron's church and about your life and your job change and my job change, you know, right at the beginning of doing this. But yeah, but yeah beyond move, that, we moving don't Moving across the country a, for you. Yeah, yeah. Moving across the country and all that stuff, but uh, but no, this is really fun, man. And and maybe we can we can put the shoe on the other foot and and ask all the questions that people I'm sure do want to know about what it was like growing up with John Piper because I'm guessing that'll cut down on the number of times you have to answer that in public. If we can just like put it on an episode and put it on the I, internet, that'll that'll make your life easier. You know, we were talking about corporate Christmas parties uh, in in the previous episode, and you were like, "I just need to have a card that has all the answers to the questions." I feel like I kind of need that for yeah. for the John Piper questions. Dude, but you do. You absolutely need that. That would I, be a service to you. At, at you know, at the risk of sounding overly sincere, I understand that the majority of people who ask those questions are asking because they love. And respect my dad and sure. so they're just kind of like what is he really like which yeah. is which i totally understand uh yeah. there are a few sort of weird voyeuristic like oh, yeah. fan worshipers yeah. types and you know whatever you can usually pick oh, those yeah. out but absolutely you'll get you'll have that that's all part of it but uh no man this was a pleasure so pipe we uh, I think we left our sponsor till the end this time. You did. So uh, why don't you tell us about Compassion? Yes. So listeners, Compassion International is our as our partner and our sponsor this month. Uh, the main point of our partnership with them is to encourage you slash push you slash command you whatever works. You know, according to your enneagram type, whatever whether I need to de- demand something of you or cajole you into this to sponsor a child. So if you go to compassion.com slash the happy rant, you'll see all the details there. You'll see kids who are in need of sponsorship. So what sponsorship entails is a monthly commitment of $38, which I know, especially this time of year, people are sort of pinching pennies or trying to trying to funnel their money around to get through the month. Uh, so maybe you wait till January to do this. That's a great way to start the year. So it's $38 a month. That provides medical care, food, education assistance, mentoring, uh, and just kind of all the base needs for a child in whatever part of the world you select. So there's they're they're all over the developing world, uh, and so you're you're helping them out of poverty. You're also putting them in a position to be mentored by somebody who will introduce them to Jesus. So there's a there's an evangelistic 
evangelistic and missional aspect to this as well as just meeting physical needs. So introducing somebody to Jesus through caring for physical needs. Uh, so again, compassion.com slash the happy rant. It's a great way to bring your families into generosity. It's a great way to introduce your kids to using the things that God has given them, the means that God has given you to care for somebody who has less, phys- you know, less uh, money, less physical wealth. So I'd encourage you to do that. I'd command you to do that. I'd, whatever it is that, that, uh, that'll get you to go there. So compassion.com slash the happy rant, go sponsor a child. We would really appreciate it. And so would compassion. Awesome pipe. Well done. As always on the promo read, um, Piper, we have done what we often do on this program, which is wander to and fro throughout a couple of topics. Lose Ronald due to a bad internet connection. Yeah, and, I, f- I mean, I feel like it's a strong way to sort of close out 2019. It's been a while since he had a garbage connection, so I feel you know, there's a sense of exactly. nostalgia in that as well. That's on brand for him, and, yeah. and I think we really bummed him out with how like not into the Christmas episode we were. I don't feel like primarily all sorry. Me- like, I really don't either. I really don't either. You know, I, he was he was looking for something that we couldn't <laughs> deliver, and uh, you know what? That happens in a friendship sometimes. Yeah, that's some. You know, I hate to be a disappointment, but also it's to be expected in this case. Dude, so just just tell me, and and so that I can plan radio wise for it, but so that our pl- our listeners can plan listening wise. When is your big uh, Dave Ramsey Christmas bash? Uh, at the time this releases. Mm. It will have already come and gone, so we will we'll have to do like a one or two week post event uh, recap. But Wrap so up. yeah, yeah. So listeners, a little behind the scenes, we recorded two episodes in a single day because it's a busy holiday season, and that was our recording window. But uh, yeah, there there will be a recap of the the Dave Ramsey Christmas extravaganza. Man, I know I speak for all of our listenership when I say that I I can't wait for that. That's going to be uh, a treat. Piper, a listening treat for all of us. Um, Pipe, I'm gonna I'm gonna sign us off. We've we've wandered to and fro until next time. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to resonaterecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, We hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.